So do we have a time check? Time check in the hemisphere in which I am in is 4.59 a.m. For me in beautiful Western Australia, a lovely day today, 8.59 p.m. And for me in the glorious city of Wollongong, 11.59 for another 30 seconds. That is at night, my friends. Tuesday where I am, Martin, you're about to turn to Wednesday. Yeah, I'm about to travel forwards in time in a truly amazing way. That's so cool that you get to be in the future all the time. I watched a, um, a thing about Ferris Bueller's Day Off the other day. It was a reunion show hosted by Josh Gad um, where they got all the cast back of Ferris, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And wow, everybody's gotten so old. But what a great movie. I love that movie. And one of my favorite sequences in that is actually not one of the funny sequences you know in the art gallery when they're walking around i think that's a great piece of film and they're walking around to i think it's uh please 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 let me get what i want but it's covered by dream academy but it's instrumental only so if you want to hear it you have to go to youtube and yes i've done too much uh too much accidental research for this moment that i didn't know that was coming because i'm from the future <laughs> that is totally off the cuff we should clear where there's been no pre-warning this conversation just launched into it and martin has suddenly just copious amounts of knowledge <laughs> incredible it does make me very much want to rewatch it though just for that one little tidbit do you do you guys have chance i mean I, I don't watch regular tv anymore in the sense of like cable television or over the air or whatever but that kind of stuff would always just be on randomly and you'd be flipping around and all of a sudden it's like oh look i'm you know four fifths through ferris bueller i guess i'll just finish watching this now <laughs> i'm assuming that's just kind of a universal everywhere thing oh definitely yeah i miss that actually that sort of that happenstance and the luck that might come from what what you might just come across and that was so many movies that i have seen i would not have seen if it hadn't been for just flipping past and saying yeah okay or just, you know, the inertia of whatever I was watching beforehand and you don't change the channel. That's all gone now. Yeah, you had like eight channels. And if there was nothing on the eight channels, sorry. Go back to channel six and you're going to watch the thing you thought, you know, four minutes ago, you thought that was a terrible thing to watch. <laughs> now it's looking pretty good. But I did, that, that happened kind of, well, sort of recently. We um, There's a movie that I, I watch all the time called Trading Places. Not sure if either of you have ever seen or heard of it, but I think I have always seen it in the past on, you know, TV when it would just be on. So it'd be set. It'd be pretty heavily censored because there's some there's some stuff in that movie that's it's not all age appropriate. And a couple of years ago, we somehow we, we always end up watching it at least every year around Christmas time. It's just kind of like a Christmas movie now. But we ended up watching it. um with my mother-in-law my wife myself and my mother-in-law and i have i guess like the real version on um i think it was just on plex or something somehow we had it, it must have come off a dvd or something and wow was i surprised at all the stuff that was in there that i don't remember being in there and of course <laughs> she's there with us so i'm just like oh okay don't remember that happening but but you know sometimes they do change things or syndicate it for TV because I know that we had a certain copy of Dumb and Dumber which is a family favorite but then on TV depending on the time slot you would see things removed or added and I had seen that movie many 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 times 
and then it was on TV and I went, I have no idea what the hell this sequence is and I have never, ever seen it. Oh, yeah. So sometimes it actually depends what is showing. And talking about serendipitously stumbling into different movies, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Fifth Element. You know that? Bruce Willis, Miliovovich, yeah, yeah, yeah. directed by Luke Besson. I'm seeing Shaking of the Head it's from Andrew. Movie. I'm going to disregard that. Movie. It's not. It's great. It's very quirky. If you like blue opera singers with tentacles coming out of their heads, it's good stuff. Um, and all the time, whenever I visit the in-laws, they have free-to-air TV on. And when we don't really do that, everything's just through the Apple TV. Still free-to-air, but internet-driven. And it's on all the time on the Australian network SBS. And we just find ourselves sitting there staring at the same sequences of the fifth element repeatedly. <laughs> And it's good. But other times, like I've been, I've become known in that house for walking in and they're just sitting down watching some movie and I go, oh, is it X or is it Y? And they go, oh yeah. How'd you know that? Is it a good movie? And I'm like, nah, never seen it. And they just go, how the hell do you know these movies that you've never even seen? Oh, I saw it on the poster somewhere. So I don't know if that's an almanac knowledge, but you know. I'm an expert at uh, identifying films that I've never seen. So you guys have over-the-air TV that they then pipe through the internet to you via Apple TV? Yeah. Yeah, so the two main apps worth watching here, uh, if you're regarded as a leftist by the mainstream Australian media, uh, media, are ABC iView, so Australian Broadcasting Corporation, or SBS On Demand, which is the special broadcasting service, or to anyone who doesn't watch it and follows stereotypes, it stands for sex before soccer, because you always see raunchy French films before English Premier League comes on. And they have apps so that you can watch the free-to-wear live stream or their programs. That's pretty much TV for me now. I'm assuming that's related to the, the BBC iPlayer. Yeah, they, they, licensed, they licensed the technology from BBC. Yeah, so it's essentially the same. <laughs> Jason seems to be just drinking a little bit of mud there out of a uh, mason jar. A lot of coffee uh, at, f- yeah, at 4.45 in the morning. <laughs> I'm really, I'm horrible at mornings. I'm a terrible morning person. I don't do mornings at all. I don't really do nights either anymore, I guess. I just don't really do. Yeah, barely. I'm just like hanging on by a thread, just existing. Hang on, he switched. <laughs> he's done a switcheroo. He's just pulled us. Oh yeah, that's a that's something you should probably know. I it's I don't know why, but I will always have no less than two and usually no more than four beverages going at any given time. I just like to have variety. I like to know that at any time I can kind of pick and choose which path I'm gonna go down from from a beverage standpoint. So I may go coffee to water to something else. We don't know. For people who can't see, he's gone from a mason jar, as Andrew said, to a can of something. Is this some sort of palate cleanser? Is Are you going between dairy sips here? Yeah, basically. So I've got my, my standard uh, ball mason jar of coffee and then a... Is that, is that a, hot coffee or cold coffee? This is cold brew coffee that I made okay. yesterday. Okay. So your, your standard sit in a cup for 24 hours kind of thing. So it's really old brew, not cold brew. <laughs> It is old brew. It is, but it's just, it's, it, you know, it, with age, just, it really gets that extra depth. That's a good way to put it. I love cold coffee. I don't know. What, what is your stance? I know we're very different in the coffee realm anyway. You don't consider this to be coffee, but in the summertime, which it is there now, I assume cold coffee is like acceptable because it's 3000 degrees there. 
Not really. No. Wow. You're <laughs> I'm just crazy. thinking like American coffee because it wasn't bad enough already. <laughs> we're we're going to serve it to you a day old and cold. <laughs> oh, cold brew coffee is the best. So you don't like cold coffee, Andrew, at all? Not just cold brew, but all varieties. Not in a big way, unless it's one of those ones you buy from the uh, from the deli out of the fridge, you know, and it's got like a, uh, you know, it's like cold with milk mixed through, you know, like a... Are you a Suntory sort of... Oh, what is the it? Japanese. No, I think I've mixed up the... the Japanese stuff. No, yeah. I, I've had that from time to time. I'm talking about the stuff that's in like a plastic bottle, you know, and it's, it's predominantly milk and sugar and a little bit of coffee flavour. Are we talking oak and dare here, like classic Australian kill hungry? That okay. I'm not that bad. I don't. Those are too hard. There's one here that's like a little bit upper end, you know. So it's like that sort of that sort of stuff, but a bit more real coffee than that. I can't remember what it's called now. Well, to chime in here, I do enjoy an iced latte, which is a very controversial point in itself because if you say iced latte, people will look at you like you're some. Ponzi freak, and then assume that you want a liter of syrup thrown in and maybe some whipped cream on top. And that's when you step in and say, no, that's an iced coffee. And they go, but wouldn't an iced coffee be a coffee with ice? And I say, well, look, they took that word and adopted it and made it something else. And I'm going around ordering a latte with ice in it. (laughs) So that's the one that I like. Um, But yeah, you're right, Jason. It's very controversial here. And look, you can keep your cold brew if that makes you happy. And then, okay, so that's cold. We've hammered you about your coffee now. What else have you got on that little shelf? Um, I have an Apple wallet. Tell us about that. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> and it only took a month, over a month to get here. I don't know why, but I ordered it day one and boy, did it take a long time to get here. I think, I think the package probably stuck to like the side of the postal truck and it just drove around <laughs> the city for weeks until it finally fell off. I think it's fantastic. I thought it was being handmade in Versailles or something. It's really, really nice. It's it's a very, very premium feeling, well-made little wallet. I had a kind of previously thin wallet before, so this is not really that different. Three cards, I would say, is max. Um, I have two two credit cards and a uh, ID. I think you could probably... No, I would say three. Three is probably really all you want to do with this. And then it just sticks right to the back of the phone it's it's very simple so the wallet is great i think everybody needed clicks to get you know their articles monetized or whatever so it was this big like oh my god the wallet shoots off and your identity gets stolen it's like (laughs) what are you talking about it's so it just magnets to the back of the phone and you put it in your pocket like it's really simple the wallet is really nice it's great i mean it's it's a little bit costly and if if you're the kind of person that carries around a lot of crap you're not gonna like it do you have any temptation to carry it around on its own rather than attached to the phone like would you go out with apple watch only and wallet yeah absolutely i'm not losing anything by moving to this other than i don't have cash in it so i don't really know what i'm gonna do about that but i would definitely use it just as a wallet on its own and just throw it in my pocket the one issue I have with the wallet is that it's essentially redundant for my way of living because all I need really, if I'm talking you know, minimal cards, what is it, two or three cards that can fit inside it. So it would be a credit card, which I already have linked to my Apple Pay on my phone, and then an FPOS card, which is really only used to get cash out in an ATM. Um, and who does that? And it's... it's, it's bit kind of pointless and then if i got the cash out i wouldn't have anywhere to put it because i've only got the apple watch 
Apple Apple Wallet. So it's a bit like, why would I even bother in the first place? I think the ID is the only thing for me that's that's there's no other way to do it yet. We don't have any kind of ID that can go in Apple Wallet. A lot of times you just you have to have an ID for a lot of different random stupid things. And it's one of those your ID is the thing you'll never need until you don't have it with you and then all of a sudden everybody wants to see the damn thing for one reason or another. So you just have to have it with you. Incoming message from the future. Incoming message from the future here in the state of New South Wales we have digital licenses on here iphone of course you do how does that make you feel of course you do so let me get this straight so you don't (laughs) wait hold on let me do my check here you don't have apple pay cash but that's correct you have a damn driver's license on your phone correct and it even when you use the accelerometer when you tilt the phone it does that little wavy pattern thing which is what you would normally have on a physical (laughs) license to show that it's not counterfeit but i'm glad that we're showing on the phone that it's not counterfeit it's beautiful, yeah. But the, the, the thing that troubles me a bit is that if you get pulled over by a police officer, right, and they say, show us your license and you produce a phone, where's that going? You're holding a phone when you're in the car. They're going to, well, you know, oh, if someone's yeah. having a bad day, they pin it on you. I don't know. I mean, it's a very specific problem, but otherwise I enjoy it. That's the one drawback I see is that uh, there's no way in hell I'm handing XYZ random police person my phone to just take yeah you're not going to scramble for the accessibility settings uh to enact you know guided access for the police but can you just hold on while i uh, apply my passcode yeah not gonna happen it's hard enough now when you just go to use apple pay and now with like a mask on you're like that person that's paying with a check all over again And the Czech people always carry a pen. I've never carried a pen, and I've always found that interesting. Have either of you ever carried a pen in your pocket? No. I think maybe twice. No. The the ink risk. Yeah. The ink risk terrifies me. Only if I know I'm going to need it. Yeah, I'd lose it. I'd lose a pen. I always thought it'd be cool to carry a pen, like one of those little like Fisher space space pens or something. Like you could be the pen guy. Never happened. I just don't like having stuff. Yeah. I don't like carrying stuff. My brother carries around a Mont Blanc pen. Wow, that says a lot. Wow. Yeah, he's just showing off. But but look, I've been around people who've produced pens when they're needed and the smug look on their face when that moment comes and they go, you know what, I've, carried, I've been carrying this pen yep. for the last two decades and finally my moment has come, probably with the check that they brought. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, in, yep. the bef- in the before times when you would travel on an airplane and you would go into another country and have to fill in one of those... um. Yeah, arrival cards. Declaration things, and yep. You've got a plane of 300 people, and I swear about four pens. And everybody's going, you got a pen? Oh, mate, can you can I borrow your pen? And suddenly the pen from, from row 27 is up at row 12. Is everybody's... COVID ready. Yeah. It's not going to be like that anymore. Did you know, did you know we have been talking for about 20 minutes and we're yet to hit item one on our run sheet? Uh, yes, I did know that. 21 minutes, 54 seconds, actually. We're, we're good at this podcasting thing. It's organic, as the, the millennials say, the social media people. Efficiency. All right, well, let's get to it. Okay, so <laughs> now I have a question for you, Jason, which is actually something that was posed to you in our public discord, and I feel like now's a good time to bring it up. Your attitude towards the touch bar. Oh, okay. Touch bar. Let's get real here for a minute. The touch bar, for some reason, much like my my little Apple wallet, just people just love to hate it. 
and it's so bizarre to me. I think the best thing that I can come up with in terms of an analogy of sorts is think back pre-iPhone. We had what was considered to be the pinnacle of phones, the BlackBerry. Everyone loved the BlackBerry. I had many of them. They were they were pretty great little phone slash communicator devices. What was the problem with the BlackBerry? Half of your device was taken up by a hardware plastic keyboard, which was a great pro of the BlackBerry. You had this great little keyboard, but half your device was dedicated to a single task. Why? Why the hell do we want that? So flash forward to your keyboard that has looked the same since the beginning of time. And they said, well, let's change this up a little bit. We got that whole top row of keys. Most people probably don't even use those keys, you know, with all the function keys. Nobody even knows, like F14, who the hell, who cares? Nobody uses that. So let's turn that into some usable space again and have it dynamically change to be responsive to what you're actually doing. So we got that with the touch bar and it just, no one seemed to get it. And I'm not sure why. I think it's absolutely a wonderful implementation for the keyboard. My only complaint about the touch bar is I don't have it everywhere. So kind of like Touch ID, where you only have it on your laptop, but then if you're on an iMac, you don't have it. It just sucks when you don't have it because you get used to a certain way of doing things and then have to change it up. So on my MacBook Pro, I have the touch bar and I use it all the time as if it's just a natural extension of the computer. I think it's fantastic. I don't know if either of you, I don't think either of you have one because you don't have a MacBook Pro with it. No, no, no. It's great. I've never had the time and experience with it to be offended. Like I have no justification. I think it's a, I think it's a cool idea as long as it's maintained and Apple does stuff with it. I know the escape key was a very controversial thing, which they've since returned. So, you know, each to their own about whether that was a mistake or not. But look, I, th- I think it's a good idea in general. An example, like I used to, when I would go back and forth between an office and home and I'd be in conference rooms and stuff a lot at work. And so I would use better touch tool to create little buttons for the various places where I was. So I would walk into my office at work, hit a button, everything would arrange itself the way I wanted it to be. I'd walk into, you know, certain conference rooms that had weird setups I'd hit a button and it would set everything up the way I needed it to be likewise when I came home so I just had little customized buttons that were on the touch bar yeah it could be keyboard shortcuts but why not have a nice little graphic that says you know office conference one conference whatever again just having that ability to further customize things to be more in line with where I'm at contextually and the other thing with the touch bars I think it's a little bit of chicken and egg where Everybody wants to hate it, so the people that actually create these applications don't make their application work well with the touch bar because they, quote, hate the touch bar. Well, it's not going to get better if you don't make your damn app work with it. Yes, it takes a little bit of effort, but if you actually implement the functions within your app, your app gets better and the people that use the touch bar can enjoy it. Uh, Some of the apps that I think are great with it, Safari is, I mean, a lot of the Apple apps, obviously, because they make it but safari is great uh fantastical is is good at uh with the touch bar drafts is another good one bear uh, apple mail of course uh, ia writer is another one i use that a lot for doing different text manipulation pages numbers keynote obviously 
you can even do crazy things with it. You know, if you start talking about like better touch tool, they have a whole section where you can just go insane with what you want to do with it. There's like tool sets that are basically better touch tool bundles that just go through and make it a wholly separate device. People have done crazy things with this. So if you just look not very hard, you can find a lot of really good uses for it. I think the, the only problem with it is that it's not everywhere, much like Touch ID. If there were a standalone Apple keyboard that had a Touch ID sensor and a touch bar strip on it, I think it would be a killer. Anything to add, Andrew? No, I think that last point is exactly what I was thinking, is that that non-ubiquity is what holds it back because it's not everywhere, nobody supports it, and it just doesn't get traction. If every single device they sold had it, whether you wanted it or not, I think it would really start to do something. And it's and the fact that it's not on the consumer-level products, I think is sending a particular message as well. It's saying, hey, this is for pros, but it's the pros who probably hate it more than the normals. I think, you know, most people if they can have a button like in pages and make it bold, make their text bold or italic, yeah, how many normal people, normal iMac users would be like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, and they haven't pitched it at that market. They've just they've gone the wrong direction. Yeah, to me, this whole thing gets down to the issue with the word pro as a modifier or a moniker for this product because for half of the people who use it or want to use it, it's aspirational. They're thinking, oh, I can be a pro prosumer, producer, whatever word you want to use, just professional if I use this and have the tools. Whereas the other half of people who have been using it for years, whether it's the developers you identified, Jason, or filmmakers, music makers, whatever, and they actually see themselves as professional and this encroaches on the keyboard that they've always known and liked or they think it's getting in the way or shining in their faces in dark editing environments. So again, I think we're just seeing more and more of these things bubble to the surface or be mentioned on podcasts or tweeted about because it's just becoming so much more of a popular product. People who never used it before are coming to to love it and other people have legacy or nostalgia about what it was and don't like certain things changing for better or worse. So I think the word pro is a bit of a problem term sometimes. Especially now with all these M1 Macs where like this, the, the cheapest possible thing you can buy just absolutely destroys any quote pro machine you have picking up on what you just said jason about the m1 i will be brief about this i do want to talk very briefly about my m1 addition to the family i did receive the mac mini with the m1 apple silicon chip very recently and i have to say that for me personally it is a revelation people can say what they want about uh you know, integrated stuff on a chip or what's the RAM all about or, oh, what does this mean for M2 or M3? I just want to say to people, whatever, this is the nature of technology, whether or not Apple is making the chip or it's Intel or someone else, stop looking at the future for one second because I'm already there in many ways as we've ascertained. Just enjoy the products that you have. I can tell you upgrading from my 2014 Mac Mini, which I loved anyway, but was a much maligned computer because it dropped certain things. I'm seeing the love heart on Skype from Andrew. Thank you. Um, This is a great computer. You couple all the things together, like the fact that I was going from a Fusion Drive to an SSD, increased RAM, Apple Silicon, Big Sur. There are lots of different things for me personally, which might not come down to just the chip itself, but 
it's a great improvement. So I'm just saying if you want to get an M1 Mac, but you're worried about the future and where it's going, if that's the case, you would never buy any device because it's going to be eclipsed eventually. So I'm happy with my purchase decision personally. I didn't realize you had a Fusion drive before. So this is, I mean, I, I knew this was a huge upgrade in terms of processor and memory and all that, but the Fusion drive to these new SSDs, that just has to be crazy fast because I think the new SSDs are even faster than the ones we thought were too fast already. Yeah, that's totally right. And look, um, my computer, uh, oldish as it was, was always fast at launching applications. Any things that were stored on the SSD, the most commonly used applications, to be honest, I don't notice too much of a difference in terms of app launch generally. Some things are faster, but it's things like opening up the photos library and skimming back years upon years and it's just buttery smooth so yeah it's when your personal data comes into it that it's really noticeable at least for me has anything not worked for you so far in terms of just it being i mean i know a lot of the stuff still runs in rosetta 2 which you probably can't even tell which that's a whole thing in itself that is mind-boggling that they're able to do but have you had anything just flat out not work or you had to do some kind of weird dance to make it function or has it just been basically drop it in and everything's as it was? Nothing has been broken. The The biggest thing that I had that was close to a worry was audio hijack for this <laughs> very sort of podcast recordings that we do. But there you go, Rogue Amoeba, they got onto it. They've already done the beta or beta, depending on your hemisphere, uh, the beta software. And we're running it. You know, I'm running it right now. Uh, other apps are opening beautifully. I'm super pleased to have the iOS version of Overcast sitting in my dock <laughs> now. Occasionally, there's some weirdness about uh, suddenly the Mac goes, oh, you have Overcast here, but it doesn't exist. Would you like to open it? Oh, let's open a new version to the right-hand side of the dock. And you sort of have two icons at once. So I think it's a bit of a glitch in the way that it saves the app on your computer. But in terms of it running, I mean, it's technically an iPad version. So it sizes uh, beautifully, things are scaled really nicely. So you can tell that when developers put that extra bit of effort into an iPhone or an iPad app, even before making it Mac Catalyst, it does work pretty well in the system. So I suppose what I'd say is that if this is the beginning of the transition, I have full confidence in what they're doing. It's really impressive. And for the iOS stuff, you just go and go to the regular store and you searched Overcast and it just showed up because you're on an M1 or is there like a segregated part of the store? Uh, I w you have to go to your purchase list. You go to your purchase list and it shows you in two separate tabs, the Mac ones or the iPad and iPhone ones. So it is slightly deliberately hidden just so you don't stumble on stuff. And I think that's a good move because most of the stuff in there that I've downloaded, because I'm sure you two are the same, like you download heaps of stuff over the years just to try it out. Most of it's useless and I would never want it on my Mac. So the vast majority of stuff is just rubbish and you don't want it anyway. But for those things that you do want to use, it's so nice to have the actual app that I use on my watch, my iPhone, my iPad in sync and not trying to go to the website or load up Apple Podcasts instead. Because Apple Podcasts is fine on the Mac, but it's not the one that I want to use. So here it is. Fantastic. Well, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that because I've, I've heard nothing but good things about the M, M1 Max, um, which is uh, honestly surprising considering the, you know, tech sphere that just you know, has something negative about everything. But so far, everybody seems to think that they're great. So I, I yeah, I'm, I'm jealous that I don't 
have one. I, I want one, obviously, but I it's still n- nothing I need. I'm really pleased to hear how happy you are, Martin, because I have one coming. I ordered. Ah. Dun, dun, dun. I ordered. Ultimately, ultimately, I did the the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro debate incessantly for a number of days, weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I went with the MacBook Air. Very good. And so I got the uh, 16 gigabyte, 512 gigabyte SSD, but I have to wait until almost Christmas for it to arrive. So um, shipping is delayed. I think these things are in great demand, but I'm in no real rush because it's a, it's going to be a, a second computer for me. It's going to be the, the one that means I can be once again freed from my desk. This is the first time I've had a Mac that's not been a laptop having this iMac in front of me now it's been great for the last year but I have started to miss not being able to do computing somewhere else and that was the whole thing with me like thinking about the iPad Pro as well versus the MacBook I have tried so many times to to get myself into iPad Pro become the iPad Pro guy it just doesn't work and I thought when you added up the cost the cost I think you'd almost get to the point where the iPad Pro by the time you added in the keyboard and pencil and all those bits and pieces it becomes a more expensive proposition and just a a clumsier one when ultimately if i'm being honest with myself i'm a computer guy i'm not ipad guy Um, as much as i enjoy the ipad if i really want to get productive i do it on a mac and i do it with things like keyboard maestro yeah and audio hijacked all sorts of different little tweaks and you know i use launch bar like that makes me so fast and i'm just so much more productive on a mac so yeah i went with the macbook air why that not the pro um partly the touch bar like i've never had one so i can't say i don't like it but i also don't <laughs> i've never had it so i won't miss it and then the other things were screen brightness which is i usually run it less than 100 percent anyway so who cares um, and the microphone thing, and like I never use laptop microphones. I'll plug in AirPods or something like that. So I thought for having that, that and the fanless, I thought, well, it'd be nice to have a quiet laptop. And I've never had a MacBook Air, so this will be a new thing for me. So I'm really excited. Just got to wait for it to turn up. I think you'll love it. I got a dongle today, though. My first dongle arrived. Yay. So that's good. <laughs> I'm entering dongle town. Is it in the spreadsheet? The dongle's consumable. You don't have to worry about tracking that. It's consumable. How much is that dongle per week is the question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Well, I think you'll love it. Um, You're extending your computing into a new area. And for me, people might look at me and go, why did you spend that much money to put something on your desk that looks exactly like the old thing? For me, it's reassuring that everything else is the same. It just slots in and it's much, much faster. So, you know, I think the the beautiful thing here is that whether you're an iPad guy or a Mac guy, quite clearly they're very into extending all of their platforms at the moment. There's a good future for all of these things and they're all kind of converging and diverging in their own ways. But I think it's a great time to be a user of this stuff. The fact that you could take the exact same thing, you know, it's not that you could change the RAM in your old Mac Mini, it's that you could just change the whole compute unit and plug it directly right in to where the other one was and be right back going with stuff that is probably thousands of times faster in some respects. I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but 
that's pretty incredible that you're able to do that with almost no effort in terms of just take the old one out, put the new one in. No fuss. Everything stayed the same. The cables just had to be unplugged and plugged into the next thing. Unbelievable. Like the RAM, the RAM is replaceable. The hard drive is replaceable. It's called the whole unit. You just swap it in. It's not just about the RAM or the or the hard drive or whatever, right? It's like it's the whole computer, the whole architecture, the whole pipeline has to be updated. Just throwing in new RAM wouldn't make the RAM faster. Whereas with this route, you have the whole pipeline gets changed out, which is a much bigger deal. But at the end of the day, you have a much better overall experience. Yeah. Exactly. It's like uh, I'm sitting at the same desk, but it feels like a new one, essentially. Did you not replace the cables? Did you leave your old power cable and that kind of thing? You didn't take the new one? Oh, look, maybe I exaggerated. No, I, I did use the new one. Okay. I apologize. Okay. The, la- the last one was white. Say. This is black. So <laughs> I'm just curious because even if they look the same, I still would have used the new cable just for the cleanliness factor of it all. <laughs> so I paid for this new cable. <laughs> yes, dust free for a limited time only. Media Corner. We're going to Media Corner now. Are we in Media Corner? All right. I've got three. The first is a TV series, one that has been raved about and everybody knows about, so it's no big breaking news, but I've been enjoying... Ted Lasso. No, but it could be because (laughs) it is that good. (laughs) This one is... I'm finally catching up. I'm way behind. It's The Crown. We, it's a, a historical biopic. I don't know. What do you call these things where they're like a hor- historical dramatized version of a person's life, the life of Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty? Just excellent. I'm only up to season three. There's four seasons. I've only just gotten into season three. Really excellent. Amazing acting. Sets are incredible. I don't know how they do it. It's on Netflix. Watch it. Next, gaming. Right. This is another ancient game, but an ancient game that I become obsessed with from time to time and I'm going through another obsessed period, XCOM 2. It is a turn-based strategy game where you basically are a bunch of humans trying to defeat the evil aliens. You have a range of different soldiers that you equip with various guns, snipers and machine guns and swords. I did not see you as an XCOM 2 guy. Man, I love it. I love it because it's... I didn't see him as a monarchist, but we're learning lots today, so... XCOM 2, it's so great. It's frustrating. It can be difficult, but it's satisfying because it's not reaction-based. So I'm an old bloke these days. Who's got time for fast twitch fibers and reflexes? Nah, none of that. You can step away from any time, so it's kid-friendly, but not so kid-friendly because just the last couple of days, my almost five-year-old son, Benjamin, has discovered XCOM and is now playing with me. He comes in and I say, push number one, now push enter, and he gets to shoot the aliens, and he loves it. And then we play XCOM in the lounge room, so he becomes a big zombie, and I have to pretend to shoot him. What are you playing this on? This is on my iMac, but I boot into Windows with a um, oh, okay. SSD drive that I connect by USB-C, um, sort of boot ca- external boot camp, which was a bit hacky to get that to work. That's another story for another day, but it can be done. Last one, a music. Music, I don't think we talked about this before. It's a cover of Karma Police, the Radiohead song. And it's by a group called Scary Pockets. And they play kind of like 
they almost they do a lot of this cover work and they always, they sort of turn it into sort of jazz lounge music. But this Karma Police cover is absolutely brilliant. I love it. So jump onto that one. You've actually reminded me, this wasn't in my media corner thing, but you've reminded me that Ballpark Music, the Australian band, did a fantastic cover of Paranoid Android on Triple J's Like A Version. I don't know if people listening know what Triple J's Like A Version is. We're just adding more things for Jason to link in the show notes. But Triple J is part of the ABC in Australia, but it's like the offshoot radio station for people who don't shower. Um, And yeah, they do a segment every Friday where they get someone to come in to do an original work and a cover. So, yeah, Karma Police, Paranoid Android. We've got a bit of a Radiohead yeah. theme then. Great band. That's good. Uh, my, yeah, I was, they, they were big when I was that age to be completely depressed and, you know, realising that my life wasn't worth living and all that. And so, yes, Radiohead. Wow. Know, the, the theme songs of my teenagerdom. And then The Crown Saved You. Beautiful. Quite rather. Jason, are you next? Yeah, I'll, I'll continue on. Um, so we get to do, is it 11 uh, different things in Media Corner now? Is that, <laughs> I thought it was one, but... I, I got excited, I'll, I'll ex- okay? All right. I'll expand my list for next time. It's Multimedia Corner. I only have one thing. Sorry, I only have one. Wow. Um, mine is going to be, it, it actually only came up because it recently got a little bit of an addition. So this is a, it's a game again, and it's called What the Golf? question mark oh yes this game is it's for everyone if you if you play this and don't have fun i'm sorry because this is just a great game it's not for me what there's not even a backpack in the game how do you not like this game because it's not golf that's the point i want to play i want to play golf i don't want to hit pianos so what the golf (laughs) is like a weird physicsy not really you don't really get to do whatever you want but you have quite a bit of latitude on what you want to do with each hole and uh, as was pointed out it is not golf in the strict sense of golf but it's it's lightly golf themed i would say there is golf stuff in it and you for example you go like through one hole and you instead of hitting the ball you like go to hit it and your whole body flies across the the hole to get to the flag it's insane. There's really no way to explain it. You just have to play it. If you have Apple Arcade, you have it already. It's on Steam. It's on, I think it's on Nintendo Switch now. It's basically everywhere. And it's just, it's a fun game you can have on your phone that just doesn't make sense. You don't have to try. There's no effort involved. And it's just got a lot of little funny, punny jokes in it. And if you're into that kind of stupid humor, you'll enjoy this. But they did just add on another... Uh, kind of winter level pack thing to it which got me thinking about it again which i went through and played immediately and finished in one run but yeah what the golf it's just fun it's catchy and if you're anyone in the world except one person on this podcast you will absolutely love what the golf i have to say it made me enjoy playing a game on tv os so if that isn't some divine miracle I just I go. just wanted to play some golf. Very good. So do you have 10 more things, Jason, or that's next time? Uh, I do, yeah. So, no, I've got only one. I followed the rules. Okay, cool. Well, I have one, but I do have a prior honorable mention that a listener sent in. Greg uh, said, 
are you going to talk about Round the Twist? And I thought, you know what, I haven't watched that recently, so it doesn't qualify as my main mention. But Round the Twist is a fantastic show. Uh, very Australian. If you're unaware of it, it's a great children's series, which probably sometimes wasn't really for children because it was a little bit terrifying or creepy. Um, it's about Tony Twist, uh, a widower with his uh, three young kids, one of whom is called Bronson, which is hilarious enough. And they live in a lighthouse in a, I think the name of it was Port Naranda, Naranda with an N for Nelly, fictitious place on the Victorian coast. And it was based on the books uh, by Paul Jennings, an English-Australian author who did a whole heap of great short stories for kids so if you haven't heard of around the twist i'd encourage you to go look it up i'm sure we'll find some link to put in the show notes we'll, we'll see what we can put there but see if it's something that you in fact can watch yourself because if you can watch something about a creepy doll walking around a lighthouse and your kids can too then that's amazing so thanks greg for that suggestion moving on to my own uh, other one I feel this is probably even weirder than when I brought up Barjas, so I don't know how this is going to go. But yeah, I, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to talk about it, right? So just in case I haven't mentioned before, Natasha's background is Greek. Okay, so her grandparents Greek moved over here. Her parents were born here, but it, it's a Greek family. It's a Greek fest. I don't speak Greek, but they're lovely. We all have a good time, and we all follow along. Everyone can speak English. There is the occasional experience though where we visit her Yaya's place, that's one of her grandmothers, and she is absolutely obsessed with this show called Kalo Mesemeraki, which as far as I'm aware basically translates to have a good lunch or like good midday to you. It's like a cheeky way of saying it. And this is the weirdest show that I've ever seen, right? The weirdest show. There's a guy called Nikos Mutsinas, who I doubt either of you ever heard of him. Ever heard no. of him? No. He has over 700,000 followers on Instagram. He is an absolute machine in terms of television hosting. And this guy essentially hosts Greece's most popular midday program where he just slams and mocks all other elements of pop culture, all in Greek. And we go over there and she's just got it endlessly playing on YouTube. She loves it. And I have absolutely no idea what's going on half the time, but you sit there absolutely mesmerized. Are either of you familiar with Gogglebox, where you watch people watching things? Yes. No. Okay, Jason, you're not familiar with it? Essentially, you watch people watching TV. It's a thing, I think, in Britain and Australia. But this is another level where he's looking directly at the camera while actually watching the thing that is displayed next to you, and he is commentating and reacting to it. But because he's staring straight through the TV, you feel like you're involved in the program. And after every single thing that he mocks music starts playing by this band called, and I'm not kidding, Alcatrash to the side of the stage and they dance around and then everything freezes. It goes to the next segment and your eyes start to water because they never keep the zoom the same. So as he's speaking, the zoom of the lens is constantly like going in and out and panning around. And then at the end of that thing, guess what happens? Surprise, surprise, the music kicks in and they all start dancing again onto the next segment. It's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen, and I encourage you to watch it even if you have no idea what's happening. Wow. I don't even know what part of that to dissect first. Um, <laughs> Alcatrash is a fantastic Alcatrash. band, first of all. I, I want to hear what they have to say, because that sounds perfect. But, and this is on YouTube? Well, that's the thing. Uh, my uh, uh, 
Natasha's here, watches it on YouTube, and lots of other Greeks are obsessed with it as well. I think there's one other person in the family who hates it. It can be quite divisive, but yeah. And then when people have visited, they've stuck it on ours. We don't even watch it, and now it's in my YouTube recommendations. I've got Nikos Mutsinas from Kalo Mesemaraki, his face constantly at me in my YouTube recommendations. So we don't need a VPN into to Greece to be able to watch this? No, you can duck onto YouTube and watch as much Greek midday television as you like. Well, there'll be no less than three links in the show notes for this, so don't well, worry. Oh, they'll be there. It can't be any worse than having my recommendations polluted by Roblox and Turbo Toy Time. So True, that does sound worse. I'm I'm concerned about your further recommendations in the future. I don't know how much more like off the road you can get now because you had the the Bajos thing and now <laughs> you said that very well. <laughs> Say that again. How how on how on earth did you do that? You didn't even pronounce the R's. I'm very impressed. I've been watching it continuously since it was mentioned last time. <laughs> Did you enjoy it or were you sickened? No, I thought it was, I thought it was actually pretty funny because it, it very much had a, uh, and I think I even said this to you guys earlier, like a mystery science theater 3000 kind of vibe to it. So I, I very much appreciated that because I watched that religiously when I was younger. Perfect. Well, another media corner comes to a close. And does that bring to a close yet another episode of Hemispheric Views? Episode number 10 in the can. 10. One zero. Fantastic. And now they can get in touch with us in so many places. They've got Twitter at Hemispheric V. They've got at micro.blog. You've got Hemispheric Views there. We've got the public Discord. We've got the website. We've got the listening facility all hosted. It's beautiful. We've even got an email. If you like writing emails with kind regards, comma, your name, you can make it happen and we may or may not respond. Hello at hemisphericviews.com. Like and subscribe. One, two, three, stop.